0: do bring greetings from Terza A.R.P. Church just down the road. Um, they send their greetings to you this morning. And so uh, it is. we serve a sovereign God, and in that sovereignty, he has put me here. He has put Mark where he is, um, and so we do pray for Mark and his family, especially Thomas. I'm not going to be preaching out of John 5. I'm going to be preaching out of Luke 5. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn there. We're going to be looking at Luke 5, 1 through 11. Here now the reading of God's holy and infallible word. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your, at your command... At your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled the boat, both of the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord." For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, for now you will be catching men. And when they brought their, net, their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God remains forever. Let us look to him. In prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we ask that you would revive us again, or that we would not just be a people who hear, but we would be a people who hear and respond because of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we ask that as we hear from your word, or that your spirit would move in such a way that we would be moved to go into the world that you have called us to to share the good news of what Christ has done in his life, his death, and by his resurrection. That we would be a beacon on a hill, that we would be a people sharing light, the light that is the light of men, to redeem us back to you. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a passage that we are all familiar with. Most of us, since kids, Peter meets Jesus. Jesus calls Peter to be a fisher of men. And Peter goes, so be like Peter, a fisher of men. See, we want to take the easy road on reading of this passage. In reality, there's so much more. There are two things that we need to know right off from the very beginning. First off, is that this is a story within a story. If you turn to the first page there in Luke 1, 1 through 4, you'll see that Luke is writing this letter to Theophilus, that he, Theophilus, would have certain, certain, uh, certain certainty excuse me, concerning the things that had been taught. Luke is writing so that Theophilus would not just have the head knowledge, but the things would impact his life and draw him closer to Christ. The second thing is this, that when we are confronted with the living God, we have one of three responses. The first response is that of the religious leaders of the day. That is not what we are talking about this morning. The second response is that which you see of many of those that that meet Jesus, especially those that were poor, those that were in great need. They have this unabashed allegiance to the Lord. And that is where Peter will end up, but that is not his response that we see here, especially in the story preceding this. You see, the third response is just as Peter is. It's a response of indifference, and as we will see that from this story. You see, this is not the first time that Peter has probably sat and heard the teaching of Jesus. In Luke 4:31 and following. Jesus comes to the city of Capernaum. You see, that's Peter's hometown. And on the Sabbath, he goes into the synagogue. Jesus teaches, and he also casts out an unclean spirit. Word of this, which traveled, as it is said, to every place in the surrounding region. Well, Peter, being a good Jew that he was, would have sat. He would have heard. He would have seen. He would have been there for that. But not only that, in verses 31 of chapter 4... Jesus goes into the house of Peter and heals his mother-in-law at the family's request. See, if it's Peter's house and the family was requesting, nothing would have taken place there without Peter's knowledge. In verse 41, as Jesus is casting out the demon, the demons even cry out, you are the son of God, before multitudes. Peter would have known who this man was. Yet, in our passage that we read, Peter is present. He is listening from a distance. He is not actively engaged in the teaching that is taking place by the lake. Rather, he's cleaning his nets after a long night of unproductive fishing. Like Peter, many times we are around the preaching of the word of God, but we are not actively engaged in the hearing of it. We think that Being in close proximity is good enough. We believe that we are good enough in our own right and that doesn't really have any bearing upon our life. Are you standing in the background, busying yourself with the work of the church, but never sitting under or hearing the voice of Jesus? You see, often in a cultural Christian church, we're not captivated by Jesus. Rather, we're indifferent to him. Yes, many would say that his word is important. Many would say even his word is necessary, but authoritative in your life, it is not. Jesus is relentless in making himself known to Peter. Peter, who at a distance was washing his nets, is now asked to transport Jesus out away from the crowd so that he can teach. Peter gets into the boat, and with his men cast out from the shore so that Jesus can address an ever-increasing crowd. These teachings are not recorded for us, but that doesn't belittle the experience. Peter is now captive in this boat. He is no longer able to hide behind the busyness of the task at hand. Then Jesus asks him to do something that Peter would have seen, for Peter, would have seemed strange. Put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. Peter responds, I think, as any fisherman would to a carpenter, right? We toiled all night long and caught nothing. But Peter just doesn't end it there. Rather, he has heard the word of God and he has seen in the past this man do miracles. And so he does what he was asked. We too, often when asked to obey the word of God, do the same thing. Lord, you and I both know that we have done this in the past and it didn't work, but. Some of us respond with this same conjunction, but not out of a desire to obey, but rather out of a desire to prove God wrong. Some of us respond more out of indifference as the uh, fine, but we have no heart in the obedience. Peter here responds in an outwardly, obedient way and though we can't peer into his heart or his intent we do know that peter had no idea what was about to happen verse 6 peter is overwhelmed when they peter and his higher men are obedient to jesus's command they are overwhelmed first they are overwhelmed with fish here is a men whose lives are dependent upon fishing And they had done what tradition had taught them or denoted that they do as fishermen do, right? Fish from evening to the morning, fish in the shallows rather the deep. Peter must not have been concerned with catching a great number as the other boat would have to be signaled. And it wasn't even close for them to come. Jesus, the one who had healed Peter's mother-in-law, the one who had taught not with just the authority of men, but with the authority of God as being the second person in the Trinity, had now brought about such a great haul of fish that without the help of the other men, the nets would have been broken. And once the haul was in, it nearly sunk not just one, but two boats. Peter, and even those that were with him, cannot help but react. So what does Peter say? He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. You see, in light of hearing the word, in light of being confronted by the power of Jesus, responds by humbling himself and realizing his unrighteousness. The word sinner, martylos. it most often translates as one who is devoted to sin. So what kind of sinfulness was Peter here convinced of? Is it just the general sense? Just as Isaiah 6 says Woe to me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Just this general sense of knowing that he's a sinner. Or is Peter here speaking of a more particular sin? Possibly of withholding something from God, of not trusting in God's provision. If that is what Peter is talking about, then the way in which he responds comes as no surprise. It also helps us to understand Jesus' response later in Luke 18, when a rich young ruler is asked, How can he be saved? Well, Jesus says, Tell him to sell all that you have and follow me. Those who heard it, Peter, said, Well, then who can be saved? And Jesus responds, See, it is imp- what is impossible with men is possible with God. Note Peter's response here. Peter says, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And Jesus tells him, truly I say to you, there is none who has left his house, wife, brother, parents, or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many more times this, in this time and in the age to come. Peter's first response is how we often respond. Lord, you are holy. Surely you can have nothing to do with me. Depart from me, for I am uncomfortable. Depart from me, for I seemingly have control over my own life. Leave me alone. Don't require anything of me, because I like the world that I have dominion over. It isn't because Peter, or even ourselves, hate God. There are those that do, but but that is not what Peter is doing here. Rather, he knows his brokenness. He knows his unworthiness. And in laying his life down at the feet of Jesus, is undone. Jesus. Jesus, how merciful a Savior. He responds not with chiding, not with reprimand, Not with, see, I told you so, or as an associate pastor often does with his youth, was that a wise decision? But rather he says, do not be afraid. What would Peter have to be afraid of? Being face to face with the one who commands the fish to get in the net? Well, Jesus is just fulfilling the first command that God gave to Adam and Eve in the garden have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heaven? Or was it that he was afraid of the greater teaching, the great teacher who just revealed himself by teaching Peter in the very profession that he thought he was proficient at? I think it is those things, but I think it is more than that. Jesus goes on to say, from now on you will be fishers of men. Peter was confronted with the word of God. Jesus himself, as John 1 says, Jesus is the word of God. He was confronted with the power of God, a bounty of fish greater than he had ever seen. And Peter knew everything had to change. I believe that Peter was having a hard time letting go of his business, letting go of everything that he felt he had control over. Up to this moment, he had a love for what he thought would be lasting. Family, a job, fish. And because of that, he was indifferent to Jesus. But now everything changed. We're the same way. We are grasping into the things that we think we have control over, right? Our work, our family, our church, the traditions that we know, our culture. And finally, being confronted with Jesus, being confronted not with an idea or a preconceived notion of him, but being confronted by the true and living second person of the Trinity, Jesus. We must respond. So what is our response to Jesus' command? Come and follow me. It would be presumptuous of me to believe that everyone in the hearing of this is a Christian. And if you are not, if you've never responded to his call, I invite you to come. Come, lay your life down at his feet. Receive forgiveness, receive grace. Repent of your self-righteousness and receive his atoning work. There is another group, though, that is being addressed here. See, remember, this is a story within a story. Luke is writing to a brother in Christ, Theophilus. There is an indifference to Jesus within the Southern Christian Church. We like Jesus. We like to Facebook about Jesus. We like to talk about Jesus. But our hearts are not captivated by him. See, we would rather be associated by our isms than him. Our nationalism, Americanism, conservatism, liberalism, any of those isms. What about our moral ism, our good works, our moral standing, those things which we do that we can say, hey, this is what I have done for God. What about our social isms, what we do and who we are with within the community, how we live our life, how we are seen by others? What about our idol ism? Not just being lazy and sitting around. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is those things which we put forth and tout as our identity. Far more than Christ. Now I know I'm stepping on toes here. And I want to clarify so that you don't shut down and hear what the rest of the passage is saying. None of these things are bad things in their own right. It is good to be proud of where you were born of the team that you pull for, of the community things that you were involved in, so on and so on. But they cannot be the things that captivate your heart. If you love the Lord, you cannot sit idly by. You will be captivated by Him as Peter was. Peter who left everything to follow Jesus. Peter who would jump out of the boat to be at His side, as we read there in Matthew. Peter who was eternally impetuous. Peter, who is ready to fight to the death to protect Jesus in Matthew uh, 26. Peter, upon watching Jesus go silent to the cross, had his world shaken. And Peter, who is quick to flee, would go back to fishing. The very thing that Jesus called him away from. Why? Because when all hope is seemingly lost, Peter went to the one place that he knew. He went back to his ism. We find our story in the life of Peter at this point. We too are conflicted. We often find our love waning in the difficult times if we're not just indifferent altogether. If you have your Bibles, I would ask you to turn to John 21. Now I know that Mark is preaching through the book of John, so he will get to this point later at the end of that, but... John 21, but go right above that into chapter 30 of, chapter, of, of verse 30 of chapter 20. It says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Did you catch that? It's not so that we have some future life only. No, it is that so we have life in His name. Then it is to make the point more real. John records the interaction between Jesus and Peter over his love for fish. That's what chapter 21 is about. Jesus appearing. It's like the young man, the young man who one day changes his appearance. He begins to groom himself. He might put on cologne. He might put product in his hair. His pattern of life has changed. He has a sparkle in his eye. He wears a sheepish grin on his face. His friends and parents know what is happening. His heart has been captivated. Just talk to Jonathan, right? It's right there. He just proposed. His friends and parents know what's happening. One who who penetrates his every thought. Every song on the radio reminds him of him. Every beautiful thing draws him into remembrance and the delight of. Why? Because he's in love and nothing can put out the flame that now dwells in his heart. See, that's what takes place when Christ captivates our heart. All things are pushed out. Just as the young man who's now in love is longing to get married. So too it is when Christ comes, he redeems, and all other loves are pushed out. So that young man goes from indifference to an impassioned pursuit for the affection of the one whom he loves. We have the same Savior. The same one who, raised, who said to Peter, do not be afraid, is the same one who to us says, come. We who often tell Jesus, depart from me, for I am a sinner, have the same Lord who tells us, fear not, come, follow me, unabashedly. Follow me not with half a heart, but rather into the depths of the heart of God, where we come to love the things that God loves, where we come to hate the things that God hates, where our our hearts are so consumed by him that though the earth and sky give way, We rejoice and sing at his praise. Friends, the truth is that that many of us live within the walls of a building, in the body of a church in America, and have sat under the words of Jesus. And not so that we just sit here and say, those people, I want us to seriously ask the question of yourself. I put myself included in that group. We have seen his hand at work, but are we indifferent to him? We may trust him for salvation, but all we really mean is that we don't want to die and go to hell. We are happy for him to hold our future in the palm of his hand. We just don't want him to have dominion over our life now. Like Peter, are you sitting at a distance, watching listening but what he has to say who he is what he has done has no real bearing on your life are you not willing to let go of the comforts and control of what you know what you love you see you have no plans of jesus messing it up you've got this you know what the traditions call for you know the right answers to say you know what the demands are of you And you know how to fix it. You say, yes, Jesus, I've got this. Thanks, but I can handle it. I will call you when I need you, though. Oh, beloved, how wrong you are. How great a need of this Savior we are at this very moment. And what joy. We have a God who is relentless in pursuing us. He sent His Son Jesus to come to live a life that we could not, to die a death that we deserve, to call us into life with Himself. We could not come we could not become impassioned until the Spirit awakens us as we read in Ezekiel thirty six. Don't you see the one who is relentlessly pursuing Peter is this very one who relentlessly pursues you and me? Peter, who knew Jesus as his Savior, goes on to trust him as his Lord. If you continue to follow Peter's life in the book of Acts, and then again in First and Second Peter, you see that he would never turn back, never back down from sharing, from living, from declaring the power of the risen Savior. Why? Why? Because he was living life in the name of Jesus. At every moment humbling himself of relying on the re- risen Savior who calls you to the same life, a life hid in Christ. Are you willing to follow him? Are you willing to give up everything for the surpassing glory of the King? Beloved, follow him. Leave behind the things which are clinging, which you are clinging to over Christ whether it be philosophies, whether it be identities, whether it be your hopes, dreams, comforts, leave them. Go. Follow Him. For He has called you to a greater life, a life hid in our risen Savior. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, You who loved us enough to send your Son, you who the second person of the Trinity came to redeem us by living a life in perfect obedience, of dying a death in perfect obedience, and of raising again from the dead so that we may have life, you who the third person of the Trinity, now indwell us, transforming us more and more into the image of your Son, giving us strength when we are weak, drawing us to yourself at every moment of every hour of every day. Lord, we are weak. And so we ask for your help. We ask that you would make us more and more into the image of Christ. That we, the body, the people, the church, would be united as a front against the world. Lord, that we would so be impassioned by you that we would then go forth into the world that you have called us to live to share the good news. That others may come to know you. Lord, you you are a good God, and we thank you for that. We thank you for your word, which is true and eternal. So, Lord, we ask that you would make this done by your spirit, for your glory, alone. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.